How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are again, continuing on our study of the Gospel of Mark. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. And again, we're going to be taking a look at the... Uh, uh, the, co the direct context, the specific words and the pictures and the images, seeing what what is it saying, how is it being said, how we can pair what we're reading with other aspects of the Word of God to pair scriptures with Scripture, to rightly divide the Word of Truth, and doing the word studies, taking a look at the specific words here and uh, seeing what they mean, and uh, understanding also the biblical Bible study principle, the clear interprets the unclear. So using the Berean method like this really helps us to understand the Word of God that much more. That yes, there is the the literal face value reading, but then uh, then the the study of it is okay. Now, what does what I'm reading mean? Now, what does it actually mean? Now, when you read this, like for example, you can read James chapter two, faith that works is dead, but what does that mean? And um, this is where a lot of people who don't properly study the Bible, they don't pair scripture with scripture, they just jump to uh, the uh, personal individual uh, idea and interpretation of that text without cross-referencing and double-checking and seeing, okay, what does the rest of the Word of God say to rightly divide it? So this is what we're doing in our study here in the Gospel of Mark as we're reading it and then we're commenting on, okay, and seeing what it says, how it's being said, and then where else in the Word of God can we apply this. So please grab your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 8, and grab your tea, grab your coffee. We're going to be studying the Word of God. And if you're interested, as many of you know, if you've fallen along, uh, the uh, previous uh, videos, uh, we had some issues, individuals uh, being hyper-legalistic Pharisees, uh, condemning caffeine and putting it in the same category as cocaine and all that kind of weirdness and, and it just so happens that we already had some bookmarks I, I thought it was just so apropos um, you can get these on our uh, on our shop on our Etsy uh, drink coffee and read your Bible bookmarks on the back it's got the the uh, Berean uh, Bible study method and so you can get some of those if you want um, Drink coffee, read your Bible. There you go. All right. Okay, so going along here, I hope everything's working well. Our our uh, streaming software just did a really big update, so I'm hoping everything's working right. So let uh, raise your hand if you can't hear me. Okay. Mark chapter 8. And verse 1. In those days, the multitude being very great. Now, we talked about this before. About the multitude that, that followed Jesus. And we commented specifically on, on how many people came. And uh, as it says, from all around. Uh, from That the cities, plural, the, all, all the cities would come out to see him. It went all throughout the land. His fame went all throughout the land. So we see multitudes upon multitudes upon multitudes 
like hundreds of thousands possibly a million who knows uh, the, the point is is that it's not just small little groups like for example i'm always commenting on this it's not like the you see much in the, the jesus films the different films on the life of christ it always shows like little groups of people like maybe a 50 like maybe a hundred uh that would be following him kind of thing no there's the scripture show here it's thousands and thousands and thousands of people this is why the pharisees are upset if it was just a small handful of people following jesus the pharisees wouldn't have cared really they, they wouldn't have been going so out of their way they wouldn't have been trying to do as much as they they were if it was just a small little pocket group but it's the fact that it's all the cities all the towns are coming to see him like like the pharisees are winding up with the tiny little pocket amount of people jesus is getting the crowds that's what's upsetting the pharisees that uh, jesus is upsetting the balance here so look what it says in those days the multitude being very great now you you'll note the words here it doesn't say that the multitude is great very great descriptive words are so important it really helps lend to understanding if you just read this in those days there was a multitude following jesus okay and then your your mind kind of pictures this okay then you say in those days there was a great multitude okay your mind your imagination adds more okay but now think about the words in those days there is a very great multitude okay now your mind is seeing a sea of people okay now we're being a little bit more accurate here a very great multitude and having nothing to eat so they're following him and they have nothing to eat they, they've left all uh, they're following because they, they want to see his miracles see his works they want to hear him they want to be near him they want to see what he does that it's also just to go along just to watch him heal others like there's the people falling for all different reasons and having nothing to eat jesus called his disciples unto him now in this multitude as well as we know as jesus has even commented on this that uh there are people following him for all kinds of different reasons people following just to have their bellies filled uh, people following just to have the healings people following for entertainment is just nothing else to do or something there's people following him believing that he's just some holy man people following him believing he's just some prophet people following him because uh, all different beliefs now jesus he says something here jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them i have compassion on the multitude I have compassion on the multitude even the unbelievers I have compassion on them because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat now the scriptures teach that the goodness of God leads you to repentance the goodness of God the mercy of God he doesn't just show his goodness and his mercy only to believers but he shows his goodness and his mercy also to unbelievers for what purpose to draw them 
so that so that they would think about him more that he'd be more on their thoughts so that they would they would they would consider him more he draws he convicts he instructs it's like that reminds me there was a post i shared on instagram this morning it was really good it says it's not our job to convert people it's not our job to save people it's not our job to convict people it's not our job to convince people it's our job to tell people the convincing convicting converting and saving is the work of the holy spirit so we see the goodness of god in his, in his helping them drawing them the goodness of god in, in this it well cause people to think about him more and see the power of God in him so that they would come to him and listen. They would listen to his teaching more and this in turn would convict them and they'd be saved. Jesus says, and if I send them away fasting to their own houses, because now they've been following him for three days, so we got a three-day journey back. Possibly. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way diverse of them came from far the long way back home he has compassion on them god is understanding god is merciful he causes it to rain on the just and the unjust and his disciples answered him from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness okay uh peter I'm having a case of deja vu. Um, have we not seen this before? Okay, think about this. Uh, did we not just recently look at the feeding of the 5,000? Where they ended up with 12 baskets full? How are they forgetting this so quickly? You know, see, it's very easy to point fingers at the disciples here and, and their forgetfulness and, and accuse them of not paying attention and all this. But don't we do the same? What is, the app, what is an application here? What is the application here? Is What about us? How many times has the Lord answered our prayers? How many times has the Lord healed us, helped us, guided us, protected us, provided for us in every way, taught us, helped us in every way? delivered us from all kinds of issues, hear, heard our prayers, he's encouraged our hearts, he's done so much for us, and then we and then we just turn right around and start worrying and fretting and doubting and fearing and everything else all over again. How do we forget the goodness of God consistently like this? Well, that's our human nature. That's sinful nature. That our flesh is that powerful you see the flesh will have that experience with our spirit have that experience of god doing this but the flesh is like yeah that was neat oh well that's what the flesh is like and the flesh can instantly forget you want an example sunday morning sunday morning you're sitting in the service you're listening to the message and it's a right 
encouraging, powerful, convicting one. It's le it's left you moved, and you you're shouting amen, and you you're loving it. it. It's 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 a great message. And then as soon as the message is over, it most times within the hour, within the hour, you've completely forgotten about it. Tell me I'm wrong. That's and that right there is exactly what's happened to the disciples here. Well, if I was there and I saw Jesus feed the, the multitudes like that, I wouldn't forget it. Yeah, you would. You're you're absolutely deluding yourself if you think you wouldn't forget. This is also why. This is also why you don't put stock in experiences. Yes, the Lord did great things, but but you don't put all of the emphasis on the experience. You put the emphasis on that that God kept his word, that God heard my prayers, that God kept his word according to the word of God. You put your emphasis on the scriptures. You put your emphasis on the Lord, not experiences. Experiences fade. They lose their their they lose their emphasis, they lose their power. You forget about it. And it doesn't, and it winds up after a while not meaning as much to you as it did back when it happened. Experiences fade away, but the Word of God stays the same and never changes. You got to be very careful about putting stock on experiences. Experiences are great and wonderful and amazing and powerful, but as we as we will see in this chapter, beware of leaven the leaven of experiences about putting stock and emphasis on experiences as we see what happens for example with like the charismatic pentecostal movement they're all about the experiences their doctrine is the experiences and what happens to what happens to individuals whose whole quotation marks faith is based on experiences they are wishy-washy watered down liberal you know type individuals there's no sound doctrine in theology they don't care so much about the teaching they care about about uh, being entertained they care about the satiation of, of the moment they worship the act of worship itself and they don't worship god So we get back to this in verse 4. And his disciples answered, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? Did we not just do this? <laughs> and he asked them, but, but, but look at the Lord's response to that. He doesn't He doesn't grab Peter by the shoulders and shake him and say, Peter, didn't we just do this? He, he, we don't see Jesus rebuking Peter. Or the other disciples we don't we don't see jesus telling them off and and tearing the third layer or any of that kind of thing but rather we see the long suffering the patience just like the lord does with us but the lord doesn't smack us up back the head every time we forget that his goodness forget how he's helped us before he doesn't treat us that way but we see patience long suffering gentleness goodness meekness so Jesus just did this a little while ago with another group. Here we are again. And the disciples say, well, where can we get bread for this? This is, this is crazy. Look how many there are. 
And he asked them, How many loaves have you? See, even asking that question, Jesus repeating himself. Jesus repeating himself. He quotes the word again. Say, well, Lord, I don't know how to get through this. And what does he do? He repeats himself. He brings up the scriptures again. He brings up the same thing, of the same thing, as how he's always done it, how he always provides, how he'll always be with us. He will never leave us. He always hears our prayers. And fear not, doubt not, care not, fret not. He, and he repeats himself over and over. This is how the Lord works. Well, Lord, I don't know what to do about this. What does his word say? I don't know what to say to these people. What does his word say? How many loaves have you? And they said, seven. We have seven loaves. Now, remember when I talked about in the previous one, that numbers in the Bible have meaning. We see 40 is the number of judgment, and they are wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. We see 50 is the number of jubilees. Five is the number of grace. Eight is the number of new beginnings. Twelve is the number of perfect government. Thirteen is the number of rebellion. And we see seven is God's perfect number. So how many loaves have ye? And they said, seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. So you see what he's doing? The same thing. Just like he did before. It's because what, what happens to here? Repetition is the tool of the teacher. And by, re by repetition, by, by doing the same thing again, step by step, what, is it, what does it start to do in the minds of the observers? Oh, yeah, I've seen this before. Oh, yeah, that's how. I, oh, yeah. See, when we remember the word of God and the, and the scriptures pop up, it causes us to remember how the Lord helped us before. Oh, yeah, he did help me before. Yeah, he gave me the words. Yeah, he guided me. Yes, yeah. Repetition remembrancers ye who are the remembrancers of the lord be remembrancers of the lord and he commanded the people to sit down now we looked at that before that's psalm 23 the shepherd gets his sheep to lie down in green pastures he leaves them beside the still waters he restores the soul and he commanded the people to sit down on the ground he took the seven loaves, gave thanks, and break, and gave to his disciples to set before them, and they did set them before the people, just like he did before. That God can never be caught off guard. The Lord can never fail. He can, he, uh, no situation can be beyond his capabilities. You can't, you can't surprise God. You can't surprise him. There's no situation that can arise that could be beyond his capabilities. And they had, verse 7, and they had a few small fishes, and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. Then they're like, oh, oh here's also fish. Okay, let's use that too. Let's use that too. You see the Lord, the calmness of the Lord in this. There's a great calmness. Calmness of character and demeanor. He's not worked up. He's not fretting. He's not overpressed for time and, you know, we got to hurry and or or any other thing. Just calmly, what needs to be done? Okay, let's do it. You got something else? All right, let's go. 
we, we see the Lord showing by his own character, by his own behavior, a calmness and a peace, as he's the Prince of Peace. He's the God of Peace. And they had a few small fishes, and he blessed and commanded to set, set them also before them. And they did eat and were filled, and they took up the, the broken meat that was left, seven baskets. How many loaves did they start with? Seven loaves. And they fed this gr very great multitude, and they ended up with seven baskets. What does that show? What does that show? What, what, what's a, what, what does this picture demonstrate to us? As we saw now in in this that they uh, and they studied this uh, in the in the scriptures and the scrolls and all this stuff they understood also the importance of the numbers as well. So when Jesus, I'm skipping ahead here. I'm cheating. And they reasoned among themselves. It is because we have no bread. And Jesus knew it. He said unto them, Why reason ye? Because ye have no bread. Perceive ye not yet? Neither understand. Have have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes ye see not, and having ears ye hear not, and do ye not remember? When I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They answered him to twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said seven. And he said, how is it that, that ye do not understand? He asked them, how many, how many, how many, how many? Now, how do you not understand? So, by this, e even in the amount, even in the amount, the, the amount itself goes to show. Now, there's a great uh, uh, example on this, that I have seen this happen more times than I can count. That when you're in need, uh, in need of something, you have to go to the grocery store or to whatever shop and you're in you're in need of something you pray lord lord I, I, we really need this and uh, could you please help us show us what to do uh, no, could you please help provide and you go to the store and you're going up and down the aisles you're looking for the thing that you need and you and you come across the one aisle and there it is right there but here's the thing there's only one there just so happens to be just one of exactly what you need there's one tell me tell me you've experienced that too or you've asked the lord and then you've gone to the shop and there it is it just and it just so happens there's one left what what does that show what does that show this is what jesus is implying here as you see the provision of God, you need not worry. You need not worry. He can cause it to appear out of thin air. Now there's something that I, I'm just I'm just blown away. Uh, you a few years back uh, when I when I left my previous job and I was starting up in CCT going full time. I was going full time and we were going through a, a fairly hard time and we had no money. Now, when I left my previous job, they were quite crooked in a lot, lot of what they did. 
and uh, when I left, that they did not uh, disable the benefits program of my previous job, but they left it running. Now, according to how it worked, is I am supposed to pay into it uh, for this thing, and but they kept it running and they didn't disable it like they were supposed to, and it started building up a balance owing that I apparently was supposed to pay, but I no longer worked there, and it was a it was a couple months, and then finally, a collections agency uh, fr from. Uh, my previous job contacted me telling me that I have a balance owing on these benefits. I'm like, but I don't even work there. I haven't worked there for months. I no longer work there. Like, why is it still running? And I was all worked up and it was a, it was a large amount that apparently that I owed. I don't know what to do. I didn't have any money. I don't, and I'm, and I'm on the phone and I'm panicking and I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm supposed to pay this. I, I, and so the guy is talking, okay, well, we, well, we could try to figure out what we could do. Let's take a look at this. And, and he's going through my, my previous account and everything and everything's closed out. Everything's closed out. There's nothing. And uh, so, okay, well, I guess you could put it on your credit card or whatever. And, and I'm a little perturbed at this because it's not my fault. And I don't know why I have to owe this when it's not my problem. And anyways, but so I'm praying, Lord, I don't know what to do. And then the guy on the other end of the line suddenly starts exclaiming, Oh, what's this? Oh, here you go. And I'm like, what? He's like, well, um, I was just looking in your files and it just so happens here's an account of yours with the exact amount needed to pay the balance owing. And it wasn't there a moment ago. He says this this money just appeared out of thin air. In an account that was zeroed out just a moment ago, suddenly there's a balance in it to the amount owing. To the penny. I just started smiling. A lot of people will come up with excuses. Well, he just missed it. Well, there was just something else. Oh, it's just coincidence. Oh, it's just chance. Oh, it's luck. Oh, it's... There's so many people who think physically. So many people who think materially. So many people who do not think spiritually. You ask me, well, well Brother Matthew, what do you believe that happened? I believe God put that, put that in that account right there, right then. Just like that. I choose to look at things spiritually i don't believe in chance luck or coincidence i don't that the lord saw the need when the lord says how many loaves have ye you know you could read that in another way how much faith have ye how much faith have ye well lord i have a mustard seed that's sufficient lord i have seven loaves i have a little bit of bread i have a little bit of fish i have a little bit of this lord forgive my weak faith help mine unbelief i have a, i have a little bit of faith lord 
Lord, I call on you because I know that you can help. Lord, I have faith in you. How much faith have ye? You see the need and it doesn't matter. If it was one person, one person knocking on your door or a great multitude, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's a tiny little stream or the Red Sea. It doesn't matter if it's if it's a tiny little park or the great wilderness. It doesn't matter. You see, when we start to think spiritually, when we start looking at things spiritually, the actual physical issue ceases to exist. And that the, the details of the circumstances are irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Your, your accounts could be completely zeroed out. And the collectors could come. We see that in the Bible, actually. See that in the Bible. The, the woman who, who uh, owed the, the tax collector. And she had no money. And he was going to come the next day and take her son. And put her son into servitude to pay off her owing. And she runs to the prophet and he says, he says, okay, now gather up your jars and start filling them with oil from your jar of oil. Your jar of oil. Start filling them all up. So she believes, she trusts, she has faith. She goes and does exactly what he says. She gathers up everybody's jars, brings them home. She takes her little bottle of oil and starts pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. Next jar, pours and pours and pours. Next jar, next jar, next jar. She fills up everyone's bottles with oil from her one. How is that possible? That's because it no longer was a physical, material issue. It was a spiritual one. Think spiritually. Think spiritually. Stop thinking physically. People say, well, it's not possible that accounts could do that. You're right. It's physically not possible. It's materially not, not possible. But God does the impossible. That when you can't see how it's physically possible, that's when the Lord does the supernatural. Can I get an amen on that one? That the Lord does the supernatural. We need to start looking at things spiritually, supernaturally. Look beyond the, the surface. Look past the physical. No, judge after the appearance. Don't judge after the appearance. The appearance could, could, ha, could have you just pulling your hair out, if you got any. If the appearance got you fearing and fretting and worrying and doubting and, and, and freaking out. But when you look past, you don't judge of the appearance. You judge after, after righteousness, which is spiritually, according to God, the Red Sea is no longer a problem. The wilderness, no longer a worry. You, you need water, the boulder becomes a solution. See, the Lord, as, as Jesus said to the Pharisees, and they said, they said, they said, uh, tell thy disciples to be silent. And Jesus says, if I tell my disciples to be silent, the stones of the ground will cry out. And so many people are like, well, he was just making a metaphor. That's all hypothetical. No. No. The stones, stones, rocks, will start shouting the glories of God. Well, that's, that's just absurd. That's not possible. Do you not believe that you were created from the dust of the ground? 
You're nothing but a talking stone. The God who spoke the universe into existence, turns the water to wine, walks on water, raises the dead, heals the sick, can cause the iron axe head to float. The God who caused the plagues on Egypt. Do you not believe he could cause rocks to start shouting the praises of God? Stop limiting your God. Start, stop limiting your Lord. Start looking at things spiritually. That when the Lord says he can do something, that means he can do it. And there is no situation that could keep him from fulfilling it. When he says he has compassion and he wants to help the people, that means what? What does that mean? When the Lord says, I have compassion on, on the people, what does that mean by implication? What did we read in the previous in the, pre in the previous account where he fed the 5,000. What did it say? Because he knew in himself what he would do. He already has a solution. He already has a solution for everything. What did Jesus say? The, lo the Lord already knows what things ye have need of. If the Lord already knows what things you have need of, what does that mean? He's just waiting for you to ask because he has a solution. Because he already has your need ready. The fulfillment of your need ready. He already has it ready. He's just waiting for you to ask. He's just waiting for you to ask in faith, believing. When you know that he is able and you, then you know that he already knows about your need. He already knew about your need long before it even happened. He sees all things, knows all things. He's all powerful, all knowing, all seeing. All good, all righteous, all fulfilling. He's just waiting for you to ask in faith believing. How many loaves have ye? How much faith have ye? Now we talk about leaven. We talk about leaven here. And we want to go over and take a look at uh, Galatians chapter 5. Hold your finger here. And go over to Galatians chapter 5. And look at verse 9. Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. It does not say leaven leaveneth the whole lump. It doesn't say that. What does it say? Pay attention to the specific words. A little. A little. A little bit of leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. How many of you are bread makers? You make your own bread, you make your own dough. How, how many of you do that? And when you make it, you take a little little bit of yeast and you put it in. Do you do you need great big spoonfuls? Or you get a great big ladle of it and you dump it in, or is it just like a pinch, just just a little bit, it's just a tiny tiny little scoop, and you put that in, you mix it all in, and it causes it causes all the dough to, to spread. It's just a little bit, just a pinch, a little leaven leaven at the whole lump, and we we've heard messages on this about a little bit of sin can can harm you can harm your walk with the lord a little bit of lust a little bit of temptation a little bit of this a little bit of that now when the lord says a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump we want to think in context in every way 
Now, what are we reading? Now, what's, what is an application here? A little bit of doubt. A little bit of fear. A little bit of worry. A little bit of fretting. A little bit of believing that God can't do it, won't do it, or isn't going to do it. That, that God won't hear you, doesn't hear you, doesn't care, or whatever else. Or a little bit of thinking that you have to solve the solution. That you have to do it. I like the disciples here. From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? Do you not even hear the words coming out of your mouth, disciples? Um, how did the Lord provide bread for all of the Israelites in the wilderness? Millions of Jews wandering around in the desert. How did the Lord provide bread for them? He rained it from heaven. <laughs> Manna came from the sky. He didn't even use rocks. <laughs> he, not like the water he brought from the rock, but the manna, he rained from the sky. It, and it was nicknamed in the Bible, angel's food. All right, if God can literally rain bread from the sky... For millions of Jews, every single day that they were in the wilderness, for 40 years, that's a lot, for 40 years in the wilderness, every day, God rained manna for them. Where can we get bread for all these people here? Um... You're not thinking spiritually. Well, that was for back then, but this is today, and God doesn't do that today. You, you know why, right? You know why God doesn't do much today? Because of people like you that question the veracity of God's abilities. Not you, you. I'm talking in general. It, it, people that say, well like the cessationist. Well, God doesn't do that today. Well, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. What does the scripture say about doubting? If you ask in faith, doubting, if you ask, if you ask fearing, you will not receive that which you asked. You will not receive it. We see that in James 1, 6-7. People say, well, well I, I'm not able to stop the doubts and the fears. They keep coming up and I don't know what to do. Well, like I talked about before, we'll go over this again. There is a difference between the doubts of the flesh, the doubts of the fleshly mind, and the doubts of spirit, the doubts of the heart. You can never, ever, ever, ever turn off. You can never stop. You can never shut down. You can never stop the doubts of the flesh. It will always be there. 
Your flesh wars against your spirit. It, you read these, Lord, yes, I believe, Lord, I know that you can, but in the back of your mind, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. In the back of your mind, that's your flesh uh, trying to countermand. That's your flesh trying to interject and try to argue with you. Like, for example, we absolutely believe that 100% God can bring water from a rock. Absolutely. And then, and then all of a sudden, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, but that's a rock, and that's not possible. It's not physically possible. It's not scientifically. Scientifically, you know, it's not possible. There must have been some, maybe it was like a, like a stream, like maybe it was a water fountain underneath the boulder. The boulder was clogging the fountain. No, you see, you try to reason. Instead of just reading and believing, the flesh tries to make up arguments. The flesh tries to interject. The flesh tries to find tries to find physical, material, fleshly, physical, scientific explanations for things. This is why so many Christians today have so much trouble reading the Bible because they're trying to read it through a physical lens. And they're not thinking spiritually. Like Jesus walking on the water. Well, maybe it was just shallow, or maybe it was winter, it was ice, or maybe it was a, there was a rock shoal there, or maybe there's a sand dune, or, or something else going on. And no. no. What it says is what it means. That God is able. God works in many ways. God can do it. Verse 8. So they did eat. So they did eat. They did all eat. The very great multitude. Now did Jesus take the bread uh, of the seven loaves? Now did he take take these loaves? And did he like, like, okay, we got, okay, how many people? Okay, I guess if we, okay, everybody just gets a pinch. Everybody gets a little pinch. Everybody gets a little pinch of bread. Is that what Jesus did? Everybody got a little pinch of bread? Did you get your pinch? Like a Baptist communion, everybody get your little little crumb of cracker. I'm I'm joking, but get your little crumb of cracker for for your communion. No, but everybody ate. Everybody ate, and what does it say? So they did eat, and were filled, and were filled. And they took up the broken meat that was left, seven baskets. Seven baskets. Okay, you went from seven loaves dispersed into a very great multitude, and you and you gathered seven baskets full in return. How is that possible? How's that possible? Jesus turned water to wine. Jesus turned water to wine. How is that possible? Well, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, when, they, when they weren't looking, he switched it out. Or some, and they could try to find some, some weird explanation. But no. What does the Bible say? He turned water. Water. You know what water is, right? It comes out of the tap. You know, our earth is covered in it. You know, water. He turned water into wine. Now, when you look up the word wine, what does that mean? It says that uh, it says uh, of grapes, and you see the word wine in that passage comes from a a. Uh, it's a descriptive. That word wine is a descriptive 
root word from the Hebrew word, which means intoxicating banqueting wine. Intoxicating banqueting wine. Grape wine. So he turned water into banqueting wine. How did he do that? Figure that one out. Scientifically, physically, logically, materially. Try to figure that one out. How did God cause hail to fall from a clear sky and burn as fire on the ground? Uh, how did he do that one? <laughs> how did he part the Red Sea? Well, it was just a, it was a it was a shallow little reed sea, which is about ankle deep, and he helped them figure out this area to go through this ankle deep area. No. So are you telling me that when the Egyptians came along behind that, that they fell out of their chariots and they held their faces under this ankle deep water until they drowned? It makes no sense. It's that, it's that the sea parted. And the Hebrew definition by that, that explained about the walls of water, it says that they, they were jellified. The walls went up. And they were they were jellified, and and the, they went through, and then the the Egyptians came in, and God caused it to come down, and they were crushed. That weight of water crushed them. You can actually go over to the Red Sea to this day, and you'll know. And you, if you take a look at the, uh, uh, is it called a topographical map? Uh, the one that it shows the actual ground you'll see in this one area that where it goes down really sharp down the sea there's one part that goes down it's a bit a bit shallower but it goes like i think 900 feet down or something it was, it's crazy uh, but there's like a shoal that goes up and and if you take a look at that area about like hundreds of feet down under the water there are horse skeletons human skeletons and and broken ancient chariot parts chariot wheels in that spot of the Red Sea to this day. Just like it says. It wasn't a reed sea. It wasn't some ankle deep thing. It's just like it says. How's that possible? How is that possible? Spiritually. Spiritual. That God is not. Now, this is the this is like one of the most important lessons you could learn about the Christian faith, folks. One of the most important lessons you could learn of the Christian faith. God is not held to the laws of physics. When you start binding God to the laws of physics, your God ceases to be God. You've just stripped God of his sovereignty and his power and his ability. You just lowered God to the, le to the level of the pagan gods. He stopped being the almighty, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, sovereign Lord God. He stops being that when you bind him to the laws of physics. He stops being that when you start thinking of him in light of the laws of physics. So many people see things as coincidence, chance, luck. There's no such thing. Years and year, years ago, I was 
14? 14, 15 years old? We were living um, in New Brunswick. And uh, my dad is a pastor of a church there. And uh, we had a, a dirt bike. It was my older brother's, but he was at Bible school. So I was using his dirt bike all the time. It was a really powerful one. I really liked it. It was so much fun. I love dirt bikes. And uh, and I was using the, the dirt bike like every day. And behind our house was a really long potato field. And it was just after the harvest. And, and uh, you'd go out and rip through the fields. And there was a, a pathway, tractor pathways that go up along the sides of the of the fields. And it'd go up. And then there was a, a clearing in the trees. And then it'd go through. And then a loop back. So you could actually drive this, like a track, up and around the tree line. Uh, through between the fields. And that's what I love to do. Just rip up there and you break and you can make the turn and rip all the way back i i love doing that so i was gonna i got got the bike ready i was gonna go out and i had my helmet on i was just about to get going and then the thought crossed my mind you should put all your armor on the dirt bike armor and my older brother he had all the gear he had the chest chest plate and all the arm pieces and the shirt and the kevlar pants and the more and the dirt bike boots he had the full he had the full gear you should put that all on. And I say, like, oh, it takes too long. I don't know. I'm just going to. You really should put all that on. Uh, yeah, maybe. It'd be fun anyways. So so I parked the bike. And I went in the house. Spent the next 15 minutes or so getting all the gear on and cinched on and everything. And I went out. Started ripping up and down and going all around. And uh, I started doing the loop like I usually do. And I went up, through, uh, braked, made the turn, started ripping back. And my mind wandered for just a split second. I forget what it was. I don't know if it was something caught my eye or I was just thinking about something else or whatever. I, I don't know what wh what got my attention. But I, I wasn't paying attention for just a split second, and that was a split second too much. Because I was going fast. And I missed my breaking point before the next turn. And by the time I realized it's too late, I just slammed on the brakes, it hit the brakes, and the bike went sideways, slid, and went off the off the, the trail into the long grass. And there happened to be a log in the long grass which i hit made me launch into the air came down and slammed right into an apple tree knocked me out cold i have no idea how long i was out but when i came to i had no idea where i was what was going on i was knocked out cold uh, i came to and i just kind of trying to wake up and I, I couldn't figure out why I couldn't move. I couldn't move my head. I couldn't really move my arms. I couldn't move. And I was still in an upright standing position. The bike had stalled out and it, and it turned off. And I was still in an upright position, but I couldn't move. And so I'm trying to figure out and I'm looking. And I notice branches. There are tons and tons of branches all over me. I looked like a pincushion. And all the branches were stressed, like 
bending, pressing on all down my chest, all down my arms, into my goggles, all in my helmet. I had scratches in here, right, in the helmet. I would have been punched through like a pincushion if I didn't have all the armor on. I'd be dead right now. And who knows how long it would have taken to sit people found me. I would have bled out hanging in the tree, a corpse, if I hadn't have put that stuff on. That was God telling me, put your armor on. Put your armor on. That has stuck with me since then. I, I, I can never get that image out of my head. All those branches, uh, like thick, thick as your thumb, just bending from the stress, pressing against the, 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 the chest protector and against all the Kevlar armor and everything. They would have punched all through me. The Lord says, put your armor on. Put your armor on. Now, what's a spiritual connection? Put your armor on. Because if you don't, you're going to get punched through with fears and doubts and frets and worries. And you're going to be becoming ap apathetic of the faith. You're going to be thinking physically. You're going to be thinking materially. You're not going to be thinking spiritually. You're not going to be considering the Lord. Put your armor on. How many loaves have ye? How much faith do you have? Now, not just faith of belief. Not just faith of belief. Like, do you believe that it's possible? Well, yes, of course, absolutely, I believe that it's possible. Where's the fruit of that? The obedience of faith. The fruit of faith is not just the belief of faith, but the obedience of faith. Everyone in church raises their hand when they're asked, do you believe that it's possible? And everyone's hands go up. You believe it's possible. Okay, you believe it, but do you do it? Do you act on it? Do you act on it? When the Lord says something, do you act on his promises? You see, I, I, could, I could say, oh, absolutely. I believe that that was God telling me to put my armor on. But if I didn't obey it, what would have happened? I'd be worm food right now. Obedience of faith. You see, the Lord could say to his disciples, how many loaves have ye? Oh, we got seven loaves. Okay, we'll use that. Yeah, we could use that. I guess we could use that. What if they never handed Jesus the, the, the loaves? Jesus meets the man with the withered hand in the synagogue. And Jesus says, I can heal your hand. Stretch out your hand. Yeah, I know you can heal it. I know. I, I absolutely believe that you could heal my hand. When was his hand healed? Jesus said, stretch out your hand. Yeah, I could, I could do that. Yeah, it's possible. Or you could just shut up and stretch out your hand. It's the act of faith. There's the belief of faith, and then there's the act of faith. The act of faith is continuing to believe and to act upon your belief of it. 
You see, God told Joshua and the Israelites when they came to the Jordan River, and it was roaring down, it was overflowing the banks, and it was a fearsome sight. And God says, go across the river. Uh, so Joshua spoke with the Lord about how, how are we supposed to go about doing this? And, and the Lord says, tell the priests that they're carrying the ark to approach the river and to step into the river. That the moment their feet touch the river, I'll part the river. You see, it's the step of faith. He did not part the river before they got to it. He didn't part the river when they came up to it. He parted the river when they stepped into it like he told them to. At the moment their foot touched the water, he rolled it back. Not before. He answers the prayer of faith when you act upon the prayer of faith. Now, how do you act upon the prayer of faith? To keep praying and not doubting. You keep praying, you keep believing, you keep fighting the doubts, rebuking the doubts, rebuking the fears, and you keep you keep walking, you keep telling the people the same thing. You keep acting in the same way, in the manner of the promises of God, like he said. Not questioning it, not doubting it. And when the, when the doubts and the fears and unbelief come up, you rebuke it and you cast it. No, the Lord said it. That's what it is. That's how you fight doubts. By being remembrancers of the Lord. A little leaven of doubt, a little leaven of fear, a little leaven of worry, a little leaven will leaven your faith. The act of faith. The prayer of faith, the belief of faith, the act of faith. He commanded the people to sit down. They sat down. They had seen what he had done before. They knew he could do it. But knowing is one thing you know but it's just like salvation just like salvation you can know all about jesus i know he's the son of god i know he's he's god in the flesh i know he went to the cross i know he can forgive my sins i know he can save my soul i know he rose again the third day i know he's the only way the truth and life i know but knowing is not salvation. There's the prayer of faith, the act of faith, the step of faith, is now you make it personal. If you know it, you now need to confess. To confess the belief of your heart, you're saved. Confess the belief of your heart with the mouth confession is made known. So we see making it personal. How can I make faith personal? How can I make it personal? How many loaves have ye? Lord, forgive my unbelief. Forgive my weak faith. But Lord, I believe. Lord, I know that you are God. I know that you are able. I know this. Okay, you know it. But now what do you need to do? Go and tell them. Go and show it. Go and show it. Show it. Live it. Speak it. Think it do it live spiritually live spiritually think spiritually talk spiritually work spiritually walk spiritually stop living in the physical world where, where where god is limited to the laws of physics and start living in a spiritual world where he is the creator of the universe he's the maker of all things he's all powerful all seeing all knowing live in the spiritual world 
Because in the spiritual world, it's not even a question. It's not even an issue of him feeding the thousands. It, you, you don't even blink when you see Jesus walking on the water. He's just like, oh, there he goes. Yep, not a problem. Not even an issue. You're thirsty? Oh, God can bring it from a rock. Yeah, well, that's not possible. Oh, really? Watch. My God can do it. He created the rocks and he created the water. He turns water to wine. Why can't he turn rock into water? <laughs> it's not even an issue. You laugh because it fills you with joy seeing your God at work. He can, he can turn pagan, demonic, blaspheming, wicked sinners into saints. Is that not the greatest miracle of all miracles? He can turn sinners into saints. He can turn blasphemers into preachers. He can turn devil worshippers into evangelists. He can turn murderers of the church into apostles of Christ. You, is that not the, one of the greatest miracles of God? All things are possible to them that love God. All things. All things. Nothing is excluded. There is nothing too small. There is nothing too great. So they did eat and were filled. They were filled and they took up the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about 4,000. 4,000 people. Ate of seven loaves of bread and a couple fish and were filled and they gathered up seven baskets full after. That doesn't make any sense at all with with uh, with a, with the standard logic of the laws of physics. It makes no sense. That's because God doesn't work in in our reasoning in our laws of physics. He doesn't work in our physical world according to the laws of our world. He works according to His laws, God's laws, God's law. What's God's law? Nothing's impossible. speaking a word let there be light there's light let the waters bring forth dry land and it was <laughs> let the dry land bring forth every creeping thing every animal every beast and it was it just appeared it just happened God spoke in the power of his spoken word. It just was. God scraped together the dirt, the dust of the ground. He formed Adam from the dust of the ground. And he breathed into Adam the breath of life and created a living soul. Yeah, well, that's just not possible. That's absurd. That doesn't make any sense. I don't believe. I believe that's all metaphorical. I believe that's just all. That's all myth, and I, I don't believe that that's that's literal. That's because your God is a limited, incapable, incompetent God. My God is unlimited and can do absolutely anything He wants. He can raise the dead. 
He can approach a leper who's literally rotting and falling apart before your eyes. It missing nose and limbs or whatever else. His flesh is just rotting and falling off. I, uh, Jesus can walk over, put his hand on him, says, be healed. And in, in front of your eyes, you can watch his flesh just knit together and heal. And his body formed and come back together in front of your eyes. And he made whole right there. Because Jesus said it. Why can't God work like that today? Well, see, that's a stupid question. That's an absolutely stupid, absurd question. Of course he can do that today. That's not even a question. That's nonsensical. So then it's something else that's going on that God isn't doing it for a different reason. Not because, well, he doesn't work like that anymore. That's stupid. Or he doesn't do that anymore because it's been changed. That's dumb. There's something else going on. That's because this world has so much leaven in it. Our churches are overflowing with leaven. The saints have leaven coming out of their ears. You know what that leaven is? Fear. Doubt, unbelief. They believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ for their salvation. Not a problem. They believe that. Not a problem. And they're saved because of that. They're, they are born again saved because they believe in the gospel according to scripture. But they doubt the rest of the story. They doubt the rest of the book. That for some mind-blowing, mind-twisting reason, they're according to their weird, twisted logic, the gospel of Jesus is true, but the rest of it is metaphor. Where do you fall on the scale of that? Do you doubt scripture? Do you doubt the stories? Do you doubt Genesis? Do you doubt the gospel accounts? Do you doubt the miracles and the signs and the wonders all down through scripture? Do you doubt that the historicity of the stories of Daniel and David and Elijah and Noah and Jonah? And, do you doubt these? What kind of God do you worship? What kind of God do you serve? And verse 9, and they that had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. So he fed them. He had compassion on them, and he sent them back home. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples and came into the parts of Dalmanutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began questioning with him, seeking him a sign from heaven, tempting him. If you are the Christ, prove it. Do, do this or do that. Can you do this? Can you do that? If you're really God, can you do this? Demanding evidence, demanding a sign. Well, if God really exists, and he, then he'll prove himself. Well, he did. God came down and you crucified him. So how much proof do you need? So, like I said before the other day, how many proofs do you need? 
until you'd acknowledge and, and testify that it's true. How many proofs of scripture do you need? How many signs, how, how much evidence do you need? To this point, up to this point, how many miracles has Jesus done? Innumerable. If the world was to uh, was to contain the books, the world cannot contain it. Uh, the, the the amount that he that he did, raising people from the dead, opening the eyes of the blind, open the tongue of the mute, opening the ears of the deaf, healing the lepers. He just says a word and demons go running. He delivers people. He feeds the thousands. Walks on water. Calms the storms. I mean, what what more do you need? And by his doctrine, showing his doctrine, he's infa infallible. He, he, you can't find a single fault, a single thing that he's ever said or done wrong. That in and of itself, it kind of says something. And you're still demanding evidence. The world is full of the evidence. It's full of the proofs of God. Full of the proofs of Christ. How much proof, how much evidence do you need? What's the alternative? And Jesus, verse 12, sighs deeply in his spirit. That's a, that's a deep, exasperated sigh. Just... <sighs> that, that's that. That sighs deeply. Deep breath. Just an exasperated, deep, exasperated sigh. <sighs> You've seen it. You've heard it. You've seen everything that I've done. You've heard everything that I've said. You've hear you've heard all the reports of everything. If you really are, then you you'd be able to do it. They demanded signs from him and de demanded evidence. And he says, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. The Lord says in Matthew 16, verse 4, and we see it repeated. The Lord says this a few times, Matthew 16, verse 4. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. No sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. What does he mean by that? As he was three three days, three nights in the belly of the whale. You know, uh, FYI, um, he didn't live for three days, three nights in the whale. He died, right? There, there's so many Christians out there and so many other people out there who say that, that it's not possible for Jonah to survive in the belly of the whale. Well, you're right, because he didn't. He drowned in the water before the, the giant fish got him. He was dead in the water. He was wrapped up in the weeds and he was drowned in the water. And then the God prepared a great fish to come and swallow him up and take him over to the land where Nineveh was and spat him up on the on the ground and God brought him back to life. Because Jonah is a is a sign, a foreshadowing of Jesus dying and being buried in the ground for three and a half days and then coming back to life. Uh, Jonah died. It says, it says he cried out from Sheol. He cried out unto the Lord from Sheol. He was in the place of the dead. 
uh, Jonah died. He didn't survive in the belly of the whale. He, he died in the water, and the fish swallowed him and took him over to Nineveh. Yeah, just FYI. Well, how is that possible? Chance, luck, coincidence? Don't exist. Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Demanding evidence proof, demanding validation, demanding proof from God. Demanding evidence and proof from God. You want proof of God? Open your front door and look outside. Creation itself, nature itself, is proof. Who made it? Who made it? Look at the church itself. Look at sinners become saints. How's that possible? And furthermore, like my dad likes to say all the time, and it's so true. If there is no God, who is answering my prayers specifically? Specific, detailed prayers being answered in detail. Exactly to the T what I'm praying. Who's answering my prayers? Think about that one. Why doth this generation seek after asylum? This is why Jesus says about doubting Thomas. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. The belief of faith. The step of faith, the act of faith, the belief of faith. That you believe what it says. You, you, don't, you don't need an explanation. There's so many Christians out there that, that needed explain. How did this happen? How does it work? You know, just that it's sufficient that, that what it says is what it means, that it happened just like it says. You don't need the explanation. Now, it's not wrong to, to seek it out and, 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 and like to figure things out. That's not wrong. But the point is, is that if your faith of it is depends upon the explanation, then you have no faith. Just believe that it's possible. To believe that it is. To believe that he is. Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. There, are, there have already been proofs. You're demanding proof from Jesus. You're refusing to read the scriptures. Because if you go to the scriptures, all of the signs, all of the proofs are already there of the prophets. Of what they said and they prophesied in great detail. Put it all together. A virgin shall conceive and shall bring forth a son. Yep. In Bethlehem, Ephrata shall be born, shall come forth he that should, that, whose ways are of old, even of everlasting. So Almighty God will be born in Bethlehem, born of the virgin, born a woman shall compass a man. The Lord shall do a new thing in the earth. Behold, a woman shall compass a man, the virgin birth, to bring forth the son in Bethlehem. It be in Isaiah 96, he'll be called the mighty God, everlasting father. He'll claim the names of God. Yep, Jesus did. And that, that we see he opened the eyes of the blind, he healed the sick, he'll raise the dead. And Isaiah 53, he'll be betrayed and crucified, he'll be pierced through his hands and his feet, and they'll, be, they'll cast lots upon his vesture, he'll be crucified with thieves, he'll make his grave with the rich, his days will be prolonged to be resurrected. Read the prophets! Jonah is, is, a, is a proof of this. Three days, three nights. 
Read the scriptures, for seek the scriptures, search the scriptures, for therein you shall find salvation. Why do you need additional evidence? Additional support for your mind. Why do you need additional? What does it say? This is sufficient. But so many people that this is insufficient. The scriptures are insufficient for them. It's not enough. They need their conscience satiated. They need their feelings satiated. They need their personal logic satiated. They need answers for everything before they'll believe. Their faith depends upon them getting answers for their own personal physical logic. There's, there's nothing physically logical about it because God doesn't work in that way. God works supernaturally. He works spiritually. How does water become wine? It doesn't. But he could turn one thing into another. He has the power. Because he's the creator. He's the almighty God. He's almighty sovereign Lord God who created all things that came down into this world. The word which is God became flesh and dwelt among us. The creator of the universe walked with us, talked with us, laughed with us, ate with us, drank with us, taught us. He was put to death for us. He rose again to life for us. And he saves us despite ourselves. He says, all I'm asking is you just believe. And if you believe, go and tell others. Go and tell others. He sighs, why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them. No. You, you, you don't want to believe, even with all of the evidence is there? No, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to you. And he walks away. <laughs> Sometimes the most eloquent answer to give to your critics is silence. And he left them, and entering into a ship again, departed to the other side. He goes, he's like, no, I don't want to be near you. And he goes away to the other side. Verse 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had, had, had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. So time has gone. And uh, where did those seven baskets of food go? Well, it probably got used up. They probably gave it away or who knows. We're not told. But anyways, they, they got into a ship. And now they're all worried because, oh, we forgot to bring food. He's fed the five thousand. Uh, he's fed the other the other thousand. thousand. They've seen him bring water from, from a rock. They God bring water from a rock. He's seen the manna. He's uh, the jars of oil. He's so many times turns water to wine. I mean, the, the, like they're fearing and fretting now because we forgot to bring food. Oh no! What are we gonna do? We only have one loaf of bread. One loaf. How many loaves have ye? Well, Lord, I got one crust. Is that sufficient? Or how about, Lord, I don't have any. Is that sufficient? The fact, even if your hands are empty, your pockets are empty, your cupboards are full of dust, you have nothing, literally nothing, but your faith. That's sufficient to move mountains and turn rocks into bread. 
Now the disciples, verse 14, had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying he instructed them. Take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we have no bread. But is it because they had no bread is why he said that? No, he's using it as a teaching instruction moment. Because we're talking about bread, we're talking about leaven. How do you make bread? You use leaven. So he's, he uses this as, as an example. Beware of the leaven, the bread, the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. What does that mean? What does that mean? What's the leaven of Pharisees? That's the hypocrites. That's the hyper-legalistic, pharisaical hypocrites. Where it's all about themselves, their own logic. It's all about the physical. It's all about the outward. But what does the Lord say here? What does the Lord say? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. It's corrupted. It's corrupted. It's against the Lord. Now, what is the leaven of Herod? The Herodians. The le leaven of, the, of Herod. What's that? You're not going to like it. You're not going to like this one. You know what the leaven of Herod is? Who, who is Herod? King Herod. Roman King, King Herod. That's the leaven of uh, politics. The leaven of physical, worldly government, worldly logic. Uh, things uh, uh, of the government, looking to the government, looking to the world, looking to the world's laws, the world's physics, the world's explanations. Worldly. Worldliness. That's interesting. Beware of that leaven. The leaven of looking at God physically. Looking at God through a, a physical logic sense. Looking at God through the laws of physics. Looking at God through worldly senses worldly senses and looking at god as the pharisees through through uh, legalistic phariseeism think about that one beware of that leaven beware of that leaven it, even just a little bit of it can get in and ruin your faith ruin your outlook ruin your prayer life ruin ruin the way that you even pray because you know it, it drives me nuts and it's a pet peeve of mine. I can't stand it when I hear so many Christians, professed Christians, pray. They say, Lord, we need you to help here. Lord, could you please deliver this? Could you please help this? If it's your will. I can't stand that. That drives me nuts. Well, what do you mean? You say it's wrong to ask according to the will of God? No. But that's not the manner in which they're praying. Because what that's called, it's called a it's called the Christian cop out. Or it's a Christian cop out. Because they're already doubting it. They already uh, uh, disbelieve. They're already wavering in fear and doubt and worry and unbelief. That they put, if it's your will, so that if it doesn't get fulfilled, if it doesn't answer, if it doesn't happen, they won't be so put out. 
But you know how you can pray according to the will of God in everything that you pray? Always, you can always be praying according to the will of God. You know how you can be praying that way? You know how that's possible? To know the will of God about absolutely everything? It's possible. Did you know that? And so many people's eyes are going up, eyebrows are going up, and people are starting to murmur and mumble about the. How is this possible? He doesn't know what he's talking about. There's some strange doctrines. Take a look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verses 20 to 29. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. That you believe on him whom he hath sent. To, to work the works of God, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Now John 6, 39-40. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me. That of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, the will of God, will of the Father. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. What's the will of God? Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay. Mark 11. Go back to Mark 11. Twenty-two to twenty-four. Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you that. What's the word? Verse, uh, verse twenty-three. For verily I say unto you that. Whatsoever. Whatsoever. What does that mean? What does whatsoever mean? What does that, that whoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he which he say shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Whoever prays, believing in your heart, not doubting in your heart, whatsoever. Whatsoever. What does whatsoever mean? shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Anyone who calls upon the Lord, in faith believing, not doubting, shall receive whatsoever you ask. Verily I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Well, then they, then they, of course you get this cessation. Well, are you saying that, Lord, okay, Lord, I want a million dollars, and I want a Ferrari and a Lamborghini in my driveway. No, no, now you're, now you're praying to heap upon your lusts. Well, that's whatsoever I desire. No, 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 no. There's a fine line. Because remember what we read earlier about what is the Father's will? What do we do to work the works of God? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so now let's look at that one. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit, what happens? What naturally happens there? 
What happens when you believe on the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? What naturally happens? You love righteousness and you hate iniquity. The Spirit of God will teach you and instruct you. And what will he do? He'll teach you how to pray. He'll cause you to be in remembrance of everything where he has told you. He'll teach you all things. That your desires become the desires of the Lord because the Lord is able to work through you and teach you, instruct you, and teach you how to pray. That therefore then your prayers will be by instruction of the Spirit of God. That when you call upon the Lord, that what you are calling upon the Lord is what the Spirit of God has, has instructed you to call upon the Lord. Is he going to deny himself? Hmm? Is he going to deny himself? Is he going to deny that which the Spirit of God has instructed you how to pray? Why are you doubting your prayers? Do you not love the Lord Jesus Christ? Why are you doubting your prayers? Why are you doubting that the Lord can do it? Why are you fearing and fretting and doubting and worrying? That whatsoever you ask in faith, believing, in love of the Lord Jesus Christ, what prayers then does the Lord not answer? What kind of prayers did the Lord not answer? Prayers to heap upon your lust. Like the prosperity gospel people. Like, as Rosalie says here, like the New Ager law of attraction nonsense garbage thing. Or James 1, 6-7. James 1, 6-7. But let him ask in faith. What's faith? Hold up. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is believing trust. Faith is believing trust. Let him ask in believing trust. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth, now this is wavering of the heart. This is wavering of the heart. For he that wavereth, is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and toss you're just blowing about with every wind of doctrine you have no sound groundedness in you no sound faith you're just all over the place all over the map uh, like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and toss for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the lord hmm. and psalms 66 verse 18 Let's take a look at Psalms 66, verse 18. Once I get there, I can find it. There it is. Psalms 66, verse 18. For if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Iniquity in your heart. If I regard that's to be mindful of, to consider, to ponder upon, to hold, that, 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 that it's, it's, it's something you're not getting rid of, that you're deliberately holding on to, that it's a part of you, something in your heart, doubt, fear, unbelief. If I regard iniquity in my heart, iniquity is sin, all, all unrighteousness is sin. If I regard iniquity in my heart, that's in my belief of heart, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 
Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is also what? The, the leaven of, of, the, of Herod, which is also what? Unbelief, doubt, argumentation. That what the scriptures say is insufficient for you. That God just saying it is not enough for you. You need your own personal tests to prove him. You need your own answers. The scripture is not enough for you. You have to have your physicality, your materialism, your answers of your life, the self-conceitedness, pride, arrogance. And they reason among themselves, thinking it's because they forgot to take bread. And then Jesus knew it, verse 17, Mark 8, verse 17. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye? Why are you trying to figure out through your own logic? Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand? Have ye your heart yet hardened? Are you hardening your heart against me, Jesus says? Why, why are you just not getting it? Jesus is getting perturbed with them. These are his disciples, his apostles. As God got perturbed at Moses, when God told Moses to go to Pharaoh, and Moses kept making excuses, kept making excuses. I can't do this. I, I'm not good enough. I'm too afraid. I can't talk right. He makes excuses, make excuses, make excuses, make excuses. And then God got angry with Moses. Can God get frustrated with us? Yeah. How? Our unbelief our doubts continuously doubting continuously fearing continuously 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 questioning him and and wondering can god furnish him a dinner in the wilderness can god bring water from the rock can god help me will he help i don't know if he'll help me i don't know if he'll hear my prayers i don't know if he still loves me i don't know if he'll still hold on to me i don't know if he is able that upsets him because that's unbelief that's just that's not believing what it says that what it says is insufficient for you that the plain clear scripture of the promises of god of the abilities of god that what it says is what it means is insufficient for you and you keep making excuses and you keep trying to argue with it you keep trying to find ways around you, you keep trying to use physical logic and trying to explain it and all this that upsets him think about that god gets frustrated with us when we keep doing that when we keep forgetting when we keep forgetting his abilities we keep worrying con constantly 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 worrying about the issues that come up in this world that upsets him how many times has he shown himself and proved himself to be able to help us no matter what it is? And, and some, oh, here comes some new thing. Oh no, what are we ever going to do? How are we going to get through this? What, what am I going to do? 
And God's like, um, just how many times have I done this? The sheep are like, oh no, more wolves. Oh, whatever are we going to do? How many times is the shepherd beating them off? Oh no, I'm hungry. Well, where, where's going to be the grassy field? You tell me the shepherd doesn't know where the grass is, where he doesn't know where the water is. You think he's not going to help you this time? How many times has he fed you? That, that kind of thing. Why reason you? Why, why are you trying to reason it? Why are you trying to figure it out yourself? Why can't you just believe what it says? The Lord says, Why reason ye? Because ye have no bread. Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Can we harden our hearts against the Lord? Yeah. By our constantly worrying and fretting and fearing and doubting and caring and stressing and being anxious about everything. That's hardening our heart against his abilities having i having eyes see ye not you have eyes in your head don't you you can see can't you can't you see what god is able to do and doesn't that fix your logic how many times have you seen god answer prayers how many th how many testimonies have you heard how many evidences have you already received having ears hear ye not you hear the word of god and all his promises and abilities and then that that is insufficient to to alter your thinking having ears hear ye not and do you not remember you got a brain don't you can't, can't you remember how many times have i done these things the lord says how many people have I helped? How many devils have I cast out? How many people have gotten saved? How many prayers have I answered? How many prayers am I able to hear? How many times have I fed them and helped them and done everything? How many times? Remember. When I break the five loaves among 5,000. You remember that? How many baskets of fragments took ye up? They said 12. It's interesting. They only answered one word. They didn't argue. They didn't say anything. Because Jesus is kind of telling them off here. Sometimes we need that. Sometimes we kind of need that spiritual smack up back of the head. Like, come on! The Lord is like that with us sometimes. Like, come on like seriously how many times have i helped you how many times have i answered your prayers how many times have you called upon me and i have answered i've helped i've given you the words and the help and the provision and the protection and the guidance and the wisdom and everything how many times have i helped you lots they said 12. and when the seven among four thousand how many baskets full of fragments took ye up they said seven and he says how is it that you do not understand that verse right there that one gets me that verse mark eight twenty one, shames me i feel a lot of shame 
How is it that you don't understand? You just don't get it. Why do you keep worrying? Why do you keep fretting? Why do you keep fearing? But Lord, look at the enemies. Look how many there are. How many of the enemy armies have I destroyed? Look at the scriptures. Whole massive millions of soldiers would come at Israel and God would wipe them out. Or how about Egypt? Or the one Assyrian army that came and camped around Jerusalem and, and the, 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 prof, the, the prophet was standing at the gate with his servant. His servant was freaking out. And he says, Master, what shall we do? Look how many there are. And he says, Lord, open my servant's eyes that you may see. And he sees the multitude of angels around the prophet. What happened that night? God sent his angel and slaughtered them all. Killed all of the enemy in their sleep. Jerusalem woke up in the morning. It was just all dead men. They went out and gathered up all their armor and everything. How many times has the Lord fought for us? Has the Lord delivered us? Has the Lord helped us? But, but Lord, look what the government's doing. How many times has the Lord knocked down pagan governments and empires and everything? Like the church is still standing after all of the all of the persecution and tribulations and inquisitions and slaughter of the enemy. We're still here. How is it that you don't understand what the Lord is able to do? He is not held to the laws of physics. Numbers don't matter to him. It doesn't matter how big the problem is, how many problems you have. It doesn't matter what enemy there is. It doesn't matter how many enemies there are. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter because think spiritually. Stop thinking physically. Stop thinking materially. Stop thinking according to the laws of physics start looking and seeing and thinking spiritually at everything even a glass of water in everything that you do even in eating and drinking do all to the glory of god because drinking isn't even beneath the lord because he turned water to wine didn't he he brought water from the rock didn't he why reason ye these things in your heart? Why are you worrying and fretting and fearing? Like as if the Lord isn't able or he won't do it when he said he would. Is the word not sufficient for you? How many baskets have ye taken up? How many prayers has the Lord answered for you? You know... I have a uh, notebook here. I was writing in it all of the, the answers to prayer and all the great blessings and everything that the Lord was doing for me. And I stopped writing because I couldn't keep up with it. I couldn't, I couldn't remember everything long enough to be able to write it in i keep forgetting them because there's so many i, I gave up I, I i gave up i can't even keep up with him i can't keep up with him and yet i still fear and fret 
and doubt and get anxious and care. Just like the disciples here. The lesson is not the lesson is not how to stop forgetting, how to stop fearing, how to stop doubting. That's not the lesson because you can't stop. You can't stop. It's not going to happen. You can't stop doubting, fearing, fretting, being anxious. It, it can't be done. But what you can do is drive it into your brain what to do when that happens. What do you do? How is it that you do not understand? How to remember. You come to the same word of the same voice of the same spirit of the same God and you sit down and you let him remind you. He reminds you because we forget. We forget. We doubt, we fear, we fret. He reminds us. Do you not remember when I did this? Yes, Lord, Lord, please. I, I, I remember. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I remember. Sometimes he only needs to say one thing. You remember when? Yeah, 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 actually, yeah, you're right. You kind of cut him off. It's like, yes, I, I know, I, I'm sorry, I'm stupid. I'm stupid. I forget. You know, not to be disrespectful in any way, shape, or form, but often... I have personally kind of felt like God rolls his eyes at me sometimes. Like, can God roll his eyes at us? He gets exasperated with us. Here we go again. I feel like he does that with me sometimes. But this is the beauty of the situation that he doesn't get... He doesn't cast us away. He doesn't get... You know what? I've told you so many times you're just not getting... You know what? I'm done with you. He doesn't do that. He never cast away his disciples. Even when Peter denied him. Three times. He didn't, he didn't cast Peter away. No matter what, when we sin, he doesn't cast us away. What when we when we mess up, when we sin, we forget, we become apathetic or rebellious or whatever else, we wander away. When did the prodigal son cease to be a son of his father? It didn't. But rather the father waited and longed and watched and waited. And the son finally he saw his son returning and he ran and embraced him. He embraced him. Before the son even asked for forgiveness. How is it that you do not understand? I'm going to end it on that verse here for today. Because we take a look at Christianity as a whole in our modern era. 
We look at God through the lens of technology, through the lens of science, through the lens of man's capabilities. Through our reasonings. Why, why are you reasoning like this, Jesus even says. We look at what scripture says and it defies our thinking. It defies our logic. It defies our understanding. But it just it but that's not how it is. But it is. But it is. This is how it is. Technology is irrelevant. Science is irrelevant. Man's logic is irrelevant. God is able. The atheist and all of their glory and their wisdom and their knowledge and their reasoning of their science. They think they got it wired up. They build these big machines and everything else and they fly to Mars to try to find the meaning of life. To try to find reason. Try to find logic. When reason and logic and all understanding is found within a person. The meaning of life is in a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, how many times have I fed them? How many times have I healed? How many times have I told? I shown? I helped? How many times prayers have I answered? Jesus says. It's all about the person of Jesus Christ. Is he limited? Is he incapable? Is he going to fail? Is he going to let go? It's not about me. I don't do anything but believe. I do what he says. He leads. I follow. He preaches. I repeat. It's not up to me to fix anything. It's not up to me to solve anything. It's not up to me to reason anything. It's up to me to hear and believe and then repeat. What he says goes. He turns the water to wine. He walks on the water. Peter walked on the water with him because he invited Peter out with him. He raised the dead. He called Lazarus out of the tomb. He is the one that that, 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 turned, that multiplied the bread and the fish. God is the one that rained down manna for the Israelites in the wilderness. God knocked down the wall of Jericho. God delivered Israel from Egypt. God flooded the world within the times of Noah. God brought Jonah back to life after God provided the fish to swallow him. God is the one that brought Paul back to life again and again and again and again. Why is it that ye don't understand, Jesus says? What's he getting at? What's he getting at? Yes, Lord. I believe you are able. With men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Nothing is excluded. Nothing. Whatsoever things you ask, not doubting in your heart what things ye have need, what things ye have need, 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, that he is always before and ever before you. You look upon him, nothing else matters. No situation, no circumstance, no issue, nothing. doesn't matter who it is, what it is. It doesn't matter how big of a problem or how little of an issue it is. It doesn't matter. He wants to be there. He wants you to ask of him, to call upon him in everything, about everything, for everything, not doubting in your heart. But believe that He is able. He is able. He who created the world by speaking, walked on it, and showed His great power and mighty signs and wonders, and proved Himself with many infallible proofs, says, Would you just trust me? Do you trust me? Jesus says, Do you trust me? But Lord, we're in the boat and the huge storm. We're about to sink. We're all going to drown. Do you trust me? He's asleep in the bow of the ship. He's not even worried about it. You think that he doesn't know that there's a storm? <laughs> Stop personalizing Jesus. Well, what I mean by that is you put on him your behavior and thinking and attributes to, to think that that god feels and thinks and works like we do he's above us his ways are so above our ways his thoughts are above our thoughts his works are above our works yes he may be sleeping in the bow of the ship but while jesus is sleeping in the bow of the ship he hears the prayers of all the saints all saints at the same time he sees every atom in the entire universe he hears every thought of every single person he sees everything hears everything knows everything while he's sleeping you think he doesn't know that there's a storm he's above us he doesn't work like us. He doesn't think like us. He doesn't walk like us. He doesn't talk like us because he's God. He's not just a man. He's God. He's showing himself in the form of a man so that we could kind of be able to un understand as he teaches us because he's so far above we can't understand so he made a way for us to try to understand and he showed us his great power that if we would just think and see what he's able to do that we would stop thinking of ourselves to think of something greater that everything is spiritual that this world is putty that is molded by the hands of praying faith Everything is putty. Everything can be molded by prayer. Nothing is beyond the abilities of God. God is not held to the laws of physics. And the more we think of this, the more we think like this, it changes our prayers. It changes our faith. It changes our witnessing. It changes our singing. It changes our faith. Beware of leaven. 
Beware of leaven. And that's Mark chapter 8, part 1. So, it, it's, it's so mind-altering. It's so beyond what our minds are capable of grasping. That's why it's hard. Some people say, well, it's, it's so hard, it's so hard. Yeah, I understand that. I've been told this so many times that it's just so hard. Yeah, I know. I get it. I understand because it just, it doesn't make sense to our physical brains. It, it Our brains are incapable of fully grasping this. And the Lord knows that. He knows that. That's why he, 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 he emphasizes again and again and again all through scripture. Remember. Remember what I did. Remember what I did. Remember what, what I'm capable of doing. Remember what I said. Remember what I did. Remember what I taught. Remember how I healed. Remember how I helped. Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? That when we remember what God has done, that helps us to be able to, to understand the reason and logic of God in the now. Ye which are the remembrancers of the Lord. All you got to do is remember what he has said, what he has done, and that helps us in the now. As the Lord says, forgetting the things of the past, take no thought of the morrow, sufficient unto the day. Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about the future. Just right here, right now, what is God able to do? What can he do here and now? It even goes beyond of what, not just what can he do, of what you can think and what you can reason and examples of your brain. It goes beyond that. Moses and the Israelites weren't even thinking about the possibility of God parting the sea. It's just that he is able. You know why he is able? Because he is the I am. He is able because he is the I am. He, he's, he's beyond explanation. He's beyond titles. He's beyond all things. He is infinite. Infinite. That's why his name is I am. Because he is. He's the I am because he is. <laughs> Remember that. And then when you have your back up to the sea, he can part the sea. He can even restructure the world. He can move the sea somewhere else. He can do that. But that's the point that he can. He is able. And he says, ask. Just ask. Remember. Remember. Ask. Trust, believe, have faith, know that I can, because I can. He can, because I can. I will always struggle. I will always worry. I will always fret. I will always be anxious. And it's not an excuse. It's just a fact. Because my flesh 
is incapable of understanding. My fleshly brain is incapable of grasping any of this. Not only incapable of grasping, it doesn't want to. My flesh doesn't want to. But in my heart of hearts and in my spirit, I know. And my spirit cries out, Abba, Father. And I see and I hear and I read these things. And I know it's true. And it's my heart of hearts. It's the spirit. I think in spirit, pray in spirit, walk in spirit. I believe in spirit. I live in spirit. I talk in spirit. I reason in spirit. Because the flesh doesn't believe. In my flesh, I know that in my flesh dwells no good thing. My flesh wars against my spirit, and I cannot do the things I would. With the mind, I serve the law of God, but my flesh, I serve the law of sin. As Paul says it, the flesh is incapable of grasping it. The flesh will never stop doubting and fearing and fretting. The flesh doesn't want to pray, doesn't want to read the Bible, doesn't love God, doesn't want to go to church, and is incapable of understanding the spiritual. But that the Spirit of God has indwelled me, and sealed my spirit, saved my spirit, forgiven my sin-sick soul, and saved my spirit. It's the spirit. It's spiritual that we walk in. Walk in spirit. You shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Think spiritually. Logic, spiritually. Reason, spiritually. Because the moment you start doing so in flesh, in physical, you've completely missed the point. And Jesus says, why is it, how is it that you don't understand? This world is nothing. It's but a playground. It's but a playground for faith. To see God at work. Drawing people. He has great compassion on the people and he shows himself to them. And we just say, that's our God. They're like, oh, how are you not surprised? Because this is normal. It's normal. Yesterday, he rose the dead. Day before that, he healed lepers. Day before that, I was walking on water with him. Before that, you should have seen what he did to Egypt. It's normal. Miracles become the norm. When the spiritual life does. All right, let's go down through the comments here. Lots of comments. Awesome. Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning. Okay, Purely says, got hit with a need. I need a new new car. Um, immediate, immediate reaction is, how in the world can I do that right now? You see, you see that? Right there. How in the world? You know, that's a phrase that we use uh, uh, to explain, you know, our serious, uh, the seriousness of the situation. But how in the world is it possible? It's not. But how, according to the love of God, according to the compassion of Christ, is it possible? Ah, oh, it's as easy as in feeding the thousands. <laughs> or how about when Jesus 
that when he was teaching the people in the house and they let the sick man down on the bed and Jesus says which is easier to forgive sins or to heal the crippled man you realize what he was implying that it's just as easy to heal a, a lame person as it is to forgive you of your sins it's that easy to him so how easy is it for the Lord to provide a need as easy as healing the sick man or healing the leper or healing the lame man or forgiving sins it's just as easy so stop thinking how in the world start thinking how according to the compassion and love of christ well how oh ask it's as easy as ask it's that easy whatsoever things you have need of ask and you shall receive so yeah amen amen so I smashed that thought and recalled every way God has provided for my son, and I will be fine. Exactly, purely. Amen. All right. Uh, and uh, yeah, and everybody, pray, pray for our sister purely that the that the the need would be met. Amen. Okay, going down through the comments. Purely says Philippians 4 6 don't be anxious about any in anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving with thanksgiving do, do, do you realize what that means with th thanksgiving let your request be made known so you pray and in the same breath that you are making your need known unto God in the same breath that, that you're asking of him you're also thanking him for the provision Lord, we have I have this need. Uh, we're, we're in need of this. Uh, we need really need your help. And Lord, thank you for providing. Because doesn't the scripture say that he that that he he already knows and is already has provisions and the things that he stored up in heaven for us. He's just waiting for us to ask. Doesn't it say that? Yeah. So thank him for the provision. In the same breath, you're asking of him the need. Okay, going down through the comments. Rosalie says, uh, talking about the Pharisees, they demanded answers for their own physical logic. God's thoughts are higher than anything we might come up with. That's right. Yep. Sunny Day says, yes, if, if I would have endlessly demanded proofs and evidences of my spouse's love for me, uh, we would have never been married. That's a good explanation. That's a good example. Exactly. All right, so there we go. And that's the end of the comments there. All right, so if you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon so you put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other content, all kinds of other playlists and different topics and stuff. Please make sure you check it out. And as well as check out our website. We got links to all our other uh, platforms and goodies. We got our free downloadable gospel track PDFs. And we have links there also to our little shops. Like, for example, we have our Etsy store where we got bookmarks and notebooks and posters and all kinds of good goodies there. As well as we got some of these. If you're interested, uh, drink coffee and read your Bible. <laughs> bookmarks on the back of them. It has the uh, Brian method of... Uh, uh, the three steps of a Bible study and all that. Please make sure you check those out if you're interested. 
uh some of the things uh we are running low on some things are uh made to order so uh if you make an order if it's a bigger order uh we may have to make this stuff before being able to ship it out so just fyi because etsy gives gives you like three days and sometimes it takes more than that to get stuff ordered so please understand that uh just let us know anyways and uh so we got tons of other stuff and uh as well as our playlist i just want to make mention uh someone contacted me via email regarding one of the playlists that we have i think it's the uh uh exposing darkness uh playlist as there's some videos in there that i've gone across and scouring youtube and different channels and stuff and finding stuff on some really good uh topics uh there's a couple of videos um that i added to the exposing darkness playlist now um a couple of these videos are from a channel that apparently i was un unaware of it at the time but the founders of the channel were Seventh-day Adventists. But none of the Seventh-day Adventist teaching doctrine is in the video. They're just talking about like um, uh, uh, Gnosticism, uh, the Gnosticism and uh, demonic stuff of Doctor Strange of the Marvel movie series. That's all they're talking about. And they're talking about uh, the witchcraft and stuff that's in that series and things like that. Um, and so the, the video itself is accurate. There's no false gospel or false doctrine in the video. But some people have, are, get upset and get all worked up because, well, you know, those people. Well, okay, by that logic, then you shouldn't be watching any video by any other channel ever that isn't a true born-again Christian. You also should throw your television out in the garbage. Do you watch movies? Do you watch other videos made by unsafe? Do you watch movies made by Hollywood? Well, by that logic, you shouldn't be doing that. So the thing is, you pay to pay attention to the content of the video itself, the context of the video itself. And if there was happened to be some day Adventist teaching in those videos, you can bet your last bottom dollar it wouldn't be shared on this channel. So uh, I hope you understand that. And if that that bothers you, let me know and we can talk about it. Um, bring your Bible anyway so with that we'll wrap it up there so check out other stuff and if if by any chance because you can make mistakes if you see something in any of the videos that i may have accidentally missed or whatever let us know right away if you see any issues or problems let us know uh, don't be afraid to contact us uh, we, uh, we need the fellowship of the saints as well as ever, uh, we help uh, watch each other's backs and everything so we got to make sure to keep ourselves watch ourselves it's not just a one-man show we all work together all pray together we all fellowship together so just want to let you know and bring that up and uh, just to let you know because uh i think the the uh the channel that i shared this is called little light studios uh, they got tons and tons of stuff. They they go on about Hollywood and, and the entertainment industry. And like I said, they have some good stuff that they may be SDA, but there's no SDA stuff in their videos that I'm even aware of. So give that some thought. And so in the same light, well, we also watch movies, don't we? So give us some thought. Anyway, so with that, we'll wrap that up there. Thank you so much for joining in. God bless you, folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.